It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. It's one thing to condemn the violence. But you can't condemn the violence unless you condemn those people who continue to argue the election was not real, that it's being stolen, that all the, all the malarkey that's being put out there to undermine democracy. Thank you, President Biden. This is Sandy Rios. Good morning. We have uh, eight days before the election. And so we're going to talk about a lot of election things today, as you might imagine. Let me just say that, you know, according to stories that you see in the press, our Republicans are moving up. You know, there's a lot of really good news. Tiffany Smiley in Washington State uh, has caught Patty Murray, which is amazing, in Washington State. That doesn't mean she's going to win, but she's caught up with her in the polls. And a tweet from Darla Shine. She's, by the way, I know Darla. She's the wife of Bill Shine, who used to be the vice president of Fox. In um, it was Bill who hired me to work there. So she tweeted that Lee Zeldin had a rally in New York, and she tweets a picture of the crowd, and it's just amazing. So uh, that's in New York City. That's in New York City. So there's a lot of optimism about what's happening. Um, but here, uh, you know, I have to always bring reality to the discussion, and so let me do this. Uh, you may recall that um, Catherine Ingerbrecht, if I mention that name, you will probably recognize it. She's not that this is not important, but we have become friends through the years. Catherine is the founder of True the Vote. Uh, probably no one, she started King Street Patriots down in Texas years ago. Uh, she wasn't political at all. She and her husband owned a business and they saw what was happening. This is during the Obama years. Her, her, their, um, their business was subsequently just assaulted by OSHA and the IRS and FBI SWAT teams. Um, and they were charged with everything imaginable. And it, you know, was very hard for Catherine to, make her way through that. Uh, her marriage broke up. I'm just telling you that. You can read that online. I'm saying uh, she paid a huge price, but she's not stopped. And she has been, uh, True the Vote has been a powerhouse in clearing up voter rolls. Well, this is what's happening. Well, no, let me tell it this way. There's more to that story than I want to tell you what's happening her, to her and to her partner, Greg Phillips, uh, in uh, True the Vote. Uh, so Koenig was a Michigan-based, is a Michigan-based software company, and I reported but not didn't emphasize, so let me emphasize. The firm's CEO is Chinese. Um, let's see, I've got his name here. His name is Eugene Yu. He's 51 years old. He was arrested last week or the week before, uh, charged with uh, releasing voter data. He, he runs this election software company, and the charge is basically, in my words, not an official charge, that, um, that he, re he released records of voter workers to the Chinese, which sounds bad, but according to what I'm reading, is not nearly as bad as what it might actually be. 
Koenig was giving super-administrative access to computer systems in the states to which they provided software and then gave that same level of access to as yet unidentified contractors in mainland China. Now, I'm going to tell you stuff that you won't hear anywhere else this morning. And I'm telling this to you because I'm asking you to pray and just be aware because we've got a big fight on our hands. Yet another one. The information about Koenig's activities was uncovered by Catherine and Greg Phillips of Truth Vote. And they've been talking about that, so that's, and they've been working with the FBI on this. And so they finally arrested uh, this, uh, the, the, the CEO. He is under arrest. He's, I don't think he's in custody in L.A., but something like that. Uh, but here's the deal. They have a source for this information. They have a source uh, of the fact that Koenig is actually working with the communist Chinese very closely and may have been really, possibly, no reason to doubt why this wouldn't be a possibility, deeply affected in the 2020 election. And so um, the judge is a Reagan appointee, and uh, he was, he's been in the bench since 1988. It's Kenneth Hoyt, and he's made it clear as he's dealt with Catherine and uh, Greg that uh, he hates election deniers. He has a tremendous amount of animus. He has no, um, uh, he would like for them to go to jail. He'd like that very much. And so he has ordered them uh, to reveal their source. And if they don't reveal it this morning, I think the time is like 8 o'clock central, something like that. It could, could be an hour off. If they don't reveal their source, and by the way, it's a confidential FBI informant, They've been working with the FBI, and according to what I understand, uh, every, everything was working well as they worked with the FBI until FBI headquarters got involved, and then it seems everything changed. So the judge, the Reagan appointee, Kenneth Hoyt, is forcing them, wants to force them to reveal their source this morning in court in front of the press, and they are refusing to do that, so he says they're going to go to jail without bond this morning. That's Catherine Ingebrecht and Greg Phillips, and they are the founders of True the Vote. Um, and so um, this is extremely concerning. I Did I say without bail? He's going to put them in jail right away if they don't reveal their source. And the other thing to remember is if you were working with the mafia and you, you had a source inside, there's no way in the world you would be ordered by a judge in any sane courtroom to reveal your source inside the mob. You know what would happen to that person. This is Chinese communism. Uh, they know exactly what will happen to that person, and they're refusing to reveal it, and because of their character, uh, they're going to go to jail. This is just horrendous. This is in Houston, uh, and I'm not sure. I, I have no action item. I don't know what to tell you to do except pray and be aware, and maybe as things develop here, because I just got this news last night late and some more this morning, uh, I don't know what more we can do. This is how corrupt, this is horrible. And so um, I tell you what we can do is vote for heaven's sake. You must vote. You must vote a week from tomorrow. We're going to be talking about that a great deal. All right, I have some other news. As you know, uh, Nancy Pelosi's husband was attacked. Uh, The media has a story that they're telling. Her husband, Paul Pelosi, was attacked by a man with a hammer uh, and it was uh, seriously injured and will recover, but was seriously injured. And the press wants us to believe this is a Trump supporter. In fact, I'll let you hear what they're saying. This is clip two. The intruder confronted Mr. Pelosi in their home, shouting, where is Nancy? Where is Nancy? 
Debbie Dingell, that's what the intruders going through the hallways on January 6th were shouting, Nancy, Nancy. This is part of the January 6th insurrection toxicity. What sort of climate of violence has been created in this country? And the answer, and you could play tapes of Donald Trump as candidate and president urging people on uh, in a violent way. Yeah, there's a lot to say, and uh, I, I, I wish I had time to flesh all of this out. I'm sure you've heard. Fox is reporting it, too, that, uh, you know, it must have been some, uh, uh, you know, conservative supporter of President Trump, some MAGA person who wielded a hammer and hated Nancy Pelosi. They try to make that claim, and they say it over and over again. But I, And you know what? I don't know exactly what happened in that house, but I'll tell you some things. I have to be careful, of course. There are a lot of assumptions. The guy was in his underwear. Uh, when the uh, police were called, uh, they have claimed, by the way, that this you know this is a stranger who broke into their home, and yet the um, police dispatch tells a different story. This is clip four. Hey, priority nine ten two six four zero Broadway, cross of Scott and Normandy. Hey, fourteen hour copy. RP stated that there's a male in the home and that he's going to wait for his wife. RP stated that he doesn't know who the male is, but he advised that his name is David and that he is a friend. RP sounded somewhat confused. All right, that's enough. That's enough of that. I just, the point is that the point is that the the caller said he is a friend. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but he's not a friend. He's a stranger who broke in in his underwear, I guess. I don't know. Okay. So no, I'm going to just stick to what we can know about this as best I can. I do have strong feelings about this because I just smell a rat. So um, this is uh, a woman named Gypsy Tubb. She is uh, the mother of uh, David Papp's children. She is uh, speaking from jail, uh, and she is known as a Castro nudist. Uh, And so I want you to hear what she had to say about her husband. This is ABC7, clip three. Uh, hello, this is Gypsy Taub. I am uh, the ex-wife partner of uh, David Papp uh, and the mother of his children. A call from Exxon Taub, better known as Gypsy, a nudist activist seen here in 2013 talking to ABC7 at a protest in San Francisco. We just wanted to test the waters to see how much the police department respects our First Amendment rights. Taub now revealing a longtime relationship with David DePoppy, the man accused of viciously attacking Speaker Pelosi's husband inside their San Francisco home. He is mentally ill. He's been mentally ill for a long time. Taub telling me she and DePoppy met more than 20 years ago, until about seven years ago. Describing a time DePoppy returned home after disappearing for a year. He came back in a really bad shape. He thought he was Jesus. He was constantly paranoid and thinking that people are after him. Did he have any sort of aggression towards politicians? Were his political beliefs extreme, in your opinion? When I met him, he didn't really have, uh, he was only 20 years old. He didn't have any experience in politics. He was very much in alignment with my beliefs. Uh, we, I have, I've always been very progressive, and actually, I absolutely admire Nancy Pelosi. 
All right. So uh, he's been in line with my beliefs, and absolutely, I admire Nancy Pelosi. And then she went on to apologize to the Pelosi family. The home where they live has Black Lives Matter uh, posters uh, and gay pride posters in their window, along with marijuana signs. Uh, there's a picture of uh, um, David DePape and uh, the uh, sub, uh, what's her name, um, Gypsy Tub. It was published by the Santa Monica Observer. They're sitting on the couch with their children, but they're not sitting together. David is sitting with some of the children, alleged children, and Gypsy is sitting next to her, cuddled up with her fiancé, Jamie's Smith. I think you get the picture. And listen, if you don't get the picture, let me just tell you, this is a police spokesperson who was caught in a hot mic uh, during the press or after the press conference or before the press conference, listen carefully to what the San Francisco police spokesman says about David Papape. Twenty. This is clip five. Okay, so is this the dude that uh, that uh, was a former like uh, nudist dude? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm. Is it okay to say any of that stuff? No. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. So, but we kind of have a working knowledge of who this guy may be. Hang on one second. Let me go see what they've got over here. I'll call you back. Bye. All right. Is this this nudist guy that we know a lot about? And can I say that? Nope. Can't say that. All right. So I'm just telling you, uh, I smell a rat. I smell a really big rat. Um, others have pointed out that the Pelosi residents, they're multi, multi-millionaires, and she's also third in line to be the president. Does she not have great like security alarms on her big mansion. So if the, this gentleman in his underwear was trying to get in, wouldn't an alarm have gone off? What? How did that happen? Uh, and how is it that he's a friend uh, to Paul Pelosi? Well, all right, those are the questions. And those are the things that I just played you that we actually do know, which are enough from my vantage point to say, are we yet again being played? Oh, yes, yes, I think we are. All right, I'm going to take a break, and then I want to tell you some more updates on the election and uh, some of the particular races. We're going to go to Georgia, then we're going to go to Michigan, and uh, update you. And tomorrow, I want to talk about marijuana, the proposal in in Arkansas. Arkansas, just so you know. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. 
The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. The credit card debt happened when my daughter was born. I was using one credit card account to roll over into another credit card account, and it was snowballing. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. When I first called Trinity, the representative understood the need based on the situation. There were great people to work with. From the first phone call that I made, they had me on a track to mitigate the credit card debt. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. Working with Trinity gave me the ability to save thousands of dollars. My name's Doug, and thanks to Trinity, I'm debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make the switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. Nancy Pelosi's husband was the victim of a brutal home invasion attack. San Francisco police say they responded to a report of a break-in around 2.30 Friday morning. They say the attacker was armed with a hammer. Paul Pelosi was brutally beaten. He suffered injuries to his head and body. Mr. Pelosi is 82 years old. Police say they have a suspect in custody. Now, whether it was a random attack or politically motivated is not clear, but people are speculating which is very unfortunate. Let's wait until we get the facts, people. But I am puzzled why Pelosi's home was not guarded. She's Speaker of the House, and it's not the first time her home has been targeted, not by conservatives, but by left-wing activists. That aside, San Francisco is an incredibly dangerous city. Crime is off the charts. Political violence is also off the charts, and we need to protect our elected leaders, Republican and Democrat. I'm Todd Starnes. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. He told me black lives matter. And if you think about it, Senator, in Atlanta, Georgia, there's more black baby that is aborted than, uh, than anything. So if black lives matter, why are you not protecting those babies? And instead of aborting those babies, why are you not baptizing those babies? Mr. Warnock, or Senator Warnock, will give you a chance to respond to that. I, I think the women of, of Georgia have a clear choice. He says no exceptions, even in the case of rape, incest, or the life of the mother. I think that's extreme, it's out of touch with Georgia, and I intend to do the work that senators can do. See, he didn't Mr. read Walker, the, heart, we, he didn't read the heartbeat forward. bill, though. Wait, he didn't we read the heartbeat forward, bill. That there is exceptions for that in the heartbeat bill. So when he made right, a statement that is untrue, and I do respect that, we've got a lot to get at tonight. Bill. And I stand where I, I've said I stand in the past, that a patient's room is too narrow and small and cramped a space for a woman, her doctor, and the United States government. We are witnessing right now what happens when politicians, most of, most of them men, pile into patients' rooms. You get what you're seeing right now. 
And the women of Georgia, the women of Georgia deserves a senator who will stand with them. I trust women more than I trust politicians. May I, may I respond? Very quickly, Mr. Walker. Hey, you know, it is, and I heard about him, I heard he was, he was, he was a neat talker, but did he not mention that there was a baby in that room as well? <laughs> I thought uh, Herschel Walker would have trouble debating with Raphael Warnock. I, I was pretty amazed. Uh, that was their debate. And as a matter of fact, this morning, uh, dated yesterday, uh, that Walk, uh, Herschel Walker has taken a five-point lead over Raphael Warnock in Georgia. I don't know what that poll is, but I'm going to talk to Jenny Beth Martin right now because that's her home turf. Uh, she's the founder of Tea Party Patriots, and Jenny Beth is just a powerhouse in this election series. She's one of my election series. It sounds like a tea, like the J6 miniseries. It's not that. This is actually reality. Uh, Jenny Beth is uh, really deeply into the election integrity actually hands-on um, process, and I've asked her to join us this morning. And with that, good morning, Jenny Beth. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. It's so good to be with you, Sandy. Yeah, nice to hear you too, Jenny Beth. All right, so talked about uh, us about this, uh, first of all, about the Walker-Warnock race. Is you think that five-point lead is, uh, is that a pie in the sky, or do you think it's actually there? Well, um, I think that it it is probably there, and I also think that I know that a lot of political consultants lean so much on um, polling. They they feel confident making predictions. I think that that undermines voters. So we just have to wait until people actually go vote. But I do think right now that that's where where it is, um, and people from outside of of Georgia do not understand just what a cultural icon Herschel Walker is to anyone who's about 48 years old and, and older. Yeah, so, well, and you know what, I, I am, Jenny, but I'm really impressed with how he's done, uh, because they people said he just, he couldn't do it, he can't explain himself, and I try to explain that there are a lot of really intelligent people or intuitive who don't talk well. We have in in D.C. we've got um, a million people who talk really well but are not that capable. So I'll take somebody who stumbles. I remember uh, Mayor Richard Daly in Chicago, my hometown, uh, was just couldn't put two sentences together, and yet he was a brilliant uh, um, mayor. So I just I just think you cannot judge people on that, even though we like to. But that's an important race, Jenny Beth, and as I understand. Um, they both either the candidates one or one of them has to get over fifty percent in order to prevent a runoff. Uh, can you explain that to us? Yeah. So in Georgia, in order to represent the people of Georgia, you have to have the majority will of the people in Georgia. So we have runoff. It's not ranked choice voting. It you on a, on the general election or for a primary. If you do not come out. Even if you're the top candidate, if you do not come out with 50% plus one vote, and really it's plus a margin of vote difference or error, if you will, um, then you go on to a runoff. And um, the top two people go to a runoff, and then everyone goes back out and they vote again. And whoever wins that election becomes the the uh, uh, elected official. So and isn't, isn't there, there a third is candidate? A libertarian candidate. Okay, yeah. Yeah, there's a third-party candidate, which is why people are saying it'll probably go to a runoff. All right, and then that makes it, as my understanding, I don't know if you, would you agree that that's going to be harder for, for Herschel Walker, or do you think not? 
Now, traditionally speaking, it, it is better for Republicans and for Democrats in Georgia. Um, but if that happens, what, what will happen in, in Georgia is that we will, again, be flooded with um, campaign material and, and advertising. And the thought of being flooded like that may just make a few people who want to vote third party decide not to to try to avoid a runoff. Because um, two years ago, Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's were pretty much ruined with political ads. No, I isn't. Oh, it's just it really is tragic what's happened to our country. I, I also want to mention, and I'm sure you know this, Jenny Beth, um, Barack Obama is now there out there campaigning for all these candidates. And I watched him uh, do a hit on Herschel Walker yesterday. It was masterful. It was absolutely masterful. It was too long or I would have pulled it. Um, and so I'm just wondering, I, I'm assuming that you know, at least know about this, uh, what effect do you think uh, the support, the, ver- the vocal support of um, Barack Obama will have on this race? I, I think that he, it's possible that he helps at the margins. I, and I have not seen what, what he did, so I'll have to go back and watch that. But Sandy, let me explain something about what a lot of people just don't understand about Georgia. You've got two icons in this election. You've got Herschel Walker and the University of Georgia. And people have to understand, he took the University of Georgia to the national championship, and we won the national championship for the only, the only time in my lifetime until last year. So he did that. Then he went on to play professional football, and then he became an entrepreneur. And he is known as Herschel, kind of like people know Oprah. They know Herschel by his first name in Georgia. And I was 10 when they went to the national championship. (laughs) Uh, My brother was three years older than younger than me, and I know he knew who knows and has known his whole life who Herschel is. So he's a cultural icon to people who grew up in Georgia. And then as much as he is a cultural icon, Ebenezer Baptist Church is, and that is where Raphael Warnock is the minister. And um, some people think that, and they know the church because that is where Martin Luther King Jr. is entombed, but that's not what we think think of when we think of, of Ebenezer Baptist Church. We think of the videos that we have seen of Martin Luther King Jr. speaking from the pulpit in Ebenezer, at Ebenezer Baptist Church, and it is an icon as well. And so you've got these two cultural icons that will have more coattails, I think, than Barack Obama um, in the election in Georgia. And and it's to me that those differences are are fascinating to me as somebody who's lived in Georgia my whole life. Herschel Walker has been going around to the small southern towns, the small towns in South Georgia and in North Georgia and the mountains as well, going around talking to people, talking about his life, admitting he's made mistakes and that he um, has changed and learned from these mistakes and that he just wants what's best for this country and he loves this country and he wants people to have the same kind of success that he has had. And I think he has a powerful message and he's very, very likable. Well, I can, I'll just interject, and my audience knows this. My husband, uh, he trained, Herschel trained with the FBI class my husband was in at Quantico. And uh, my husband has great things to say about Herschel. And so uh, that's, so I, that's a personal testimony there. But all right. So this is, uh, so 
Let's get practical. Then I want to talk about other races in Georgia because Jenny Beth, you're all over this election integrity thing. How can people, you know, listening? What can they do? Not just in Georgia, but everywhere. Right now, it's a day and a, a week and a day from the election. The very best thing that you can do if you are concerned about having faith in the outcome of the election, go to our website at helpatthepolls.com, helpatthepolls.com, and sign up to be a poll watcher. Um, the, now, some deadlines have kicked into place beginning last last week around the country, but most kick into place beginning today, tomorrow, and throughout this week. So you, time is of the essence. You need to go right now and sign up to be a poll watcher. We will connect you with people um, from around the country and around your state who are part of our coalition and also send you um, email directions for how you can just go search online to figure out and ask locally how you can become a, a poll watcher. That is one of the most important things people can do at this point in time is to watch the election and be an observer inside of a precinct. You have to get trained and have credentials for it, but be the observer inside that precinct so you can walk away and be a witness saying, yes, everything worked the way that it was supposed to, or there were some issues, and here's what the issues were, and we report report those to the appropriate people and, and work to get them addressed. But it's it's very, very important. And if you've got Democrats listening, Republicans listening, it doesn't matter which party you're affiliated with. We need those people for, really from both parties inside the polls so they can walk away and attest to what happened. Yes. Honest people of both sides. Honest people of both sides. Help at the polls.com. Uh, and let me just say, I think we have five stations in uh, Georgia. And I hope those of you listening uh, will certainly. Now, I'm not just I'm not limiting this to Georgia, but I'm just saying uh, we're kind of focusing on that because that's one of the races uh, where there could be like uh, some you know messing around. There certainly was messing around in 2020. We'll call it that. Jenny uh, uh, Beth, what other like your governor's race, Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp? How's that going? Um, I think it's going very well for Brian Kemp. And the fact is, a lot of people, we hear so much about Ron DeSantis because he is such a master, he is a master at leaning into the news cycle and, and, and becoming a, a figure in the news. Brian Kemp, Governor Kemp, reopened Georgia. He was the first governor in the entire country to reopen. He closed Georgia so lightly and with such a light touch that when he reopened in mid-April 2020, the things that he was reopening were hair salons and masseuse parlors and um, other other type businesses. Restaurants were, were opened back up further, but they really had never been closed the way they were in other parts of the country. And because of that, in Georgia, we did not have as many business businesses that failed as compared to other parts of the, the country because the, the lockdowns were, were much lighter and kids were able to go back to schools. And some of the metro counties were locally were horrible about getting kids back in schools and getting them back in schools without out masks. But my kids went back to school in August, like August 1st or the first Monday in August of 2020, and masks were always optional. They were never required in my, my children's school district. And most places around the country, that did not happen. And people appreciate the fact that Brian Kemp did that, and he, he stood up for freedom and stood up for individual responsibility while trying to balance this novel virus and public health at the same time. 
Jenny, say just a word about Stacey Abrams. What is the the fear factor with her getting elected? A lot of people know this, but just in a couple of just give a couple examples of the concern with her. Well, she she is a socialist, and she would do the exact opposite of what Brian Kemp did when it it comes to how to handle COVID. But I think that that's an important thing to understand because it, it would be the government control, centralized government control, and government taking over our lives. The fact that um, Raphael Warnock uh, talks about how you don't the government you don't want the government inside your hospital room is all or doctor's office is almost laughable considering that both of them both um, Warnock and C.C. Abrams would would support Obamacare and an expansion of of government takeover of health care. She would be terrible for businesses, terrible for individuals, and terrible for freedom if she's elected. All right, let me just interject. Uh, help at the polls.com. Help at the polls.com is Jenny Beth's. Uh, that's the site where you can go to her organization for help and figure out how to sign up. And you need to do that right away if you haven't yet done it. One last thing the Georgia Supreme Court has ruled that, vo- now I'm reading this, has ruled that voters have the right to sue election officials who violate the law. Is that legitimate? And is that a good thing? I'm guessing it is. Um, it, it is a, um, a, a decision last week from our state Supreme Court, and I do think it is a, a good thing. I believe that it already that already existed, but the Supreme the state Supreme Court reaffirmed it. Or if it did not exist, and I'm wrong about it, they just flat out said that that is possible. The reason it is important is that you can, can then, as a voter or a group of voters sue the the government for prospective relief in in future elections. I don't know if it will allow retrospective relief to an election in the past, but it at least allows standing for uh, correcting things in the future. And that's very, very important. And it, it makes sense. I mean, if there's no way that a voter can stand up and say the government is violating my rights with these laws or, or the law was violated and I want things corrected, if there's no way for voters to do that and candidates only have a very short time to do that, then the law, the election law in Georgia is toothless and um, yeah. almost meaningless. Yeah. So, so I, and, I think it's that, very important. Plus all the malfeasance that we saw uh, with uh, people that were counting votes and pulling out boxes and all of that, uh, that there has to be accountability. And this, as evidently, this provides for that accountability. That is good news. Help at the polls.com. Help at the polls.com. Sign up to be a poll worker right away. The, the election is a week from tomorrow. Jenny Beth Martin, thank you for everything that you do that people will never even know about. But thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, okay? Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Here's Pastor Jeff Shree with From His Heart Ministries. How many people come to church and they're chained to a bitter spirit and all sorts of problems chained to greed and selfishness? Even when they want to break free, they can't seem to break free. Worship Him and praise Him and let Him remove the chains. Learn to break the chains forever through Christ. Join Pastor Jeff Shreve on From His Heart, weeknights at 6 Central, here on American Family Radio. Let's not only buy the truth, let's be the truth. Let's tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Let's stand against the things that are false by standing up for the things that are true. 
Let's stop posturing and actually be the people we want people to think we are. Join Dr. David Jeremiah for his series, The World of the End, next time on Turning Point. 5.30 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central on American Family Radio. Live as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Question voting results and you're an election denier and a conspiracy theorist who poses an existential threat to our democracy. That is, unless your name rhymes with Killary Sminton. She who shall never be president has returned. And now she's saying right-wing extremists plan to literally steal the 2024 presidential election. Recent history has shown us that when regressives make accusations like this, especially preemptively, they're often projecting onto others what they are really doing. Seems like this is another example of that, as she may very well plan to run again in 2024. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Hello, this is Franklin Graham. It's getting close to Christmas, and that means that it's time for Operation Christmas Child. Operation Christmas Child provides you the opportunity to fill an empty shoebox with toys, hygiene items, and school supplies for a child in need. The most important thing to send with that shoebox is prayer. Pray for that child, that God will use your gift to touch that child in a very special way. And then we'll take that box and we'll deliver it to a child somewhere in the world. This Christmas, we'll be delivering our 200 millionth shoebox. And your box might be the 200 millionth, I don't know. But please, pack a box today. We need your help. And we want little children around the world to know that God loves them and that Jesus died for their sins. God bless. National Collection Week is the third week in November. Visit SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC to get involved. That's SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Millions of us deeply resent what we have suffered in the wake of the Chinese Communist Party deliberately spreading a virus genetically engineered in its biological warfare lab in Wuhan. Most are unaware, however, that the CCP not only brought us the COVID-19 pandemic, Communist China's dominance of the World Health Organization is also translated into a WHO-recommended pandemic response featuring lockdown, social distancing, masking, and mandated injections with inadequately tested vaccines, measures collectively known as the China model. That model's adoption here contributed to a million deaths, a ravaged economy, and the loss of constitutionally guaranteed freedoms. Now secret negotiations are underway aimed at allowing the WHO to dictate when and how we will deal with future public health crises. We cannot legitimate the WHO's past Chinese-directed malevolence, let alone willingly submit to more and worse from now on. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. So all across the country, Democrat candidates, not candidates themselves, but the party, was putting money in primaries into the races of the extreme Trump-endorsed candidates, as opposed to the moderate Republicans that were running because they wanted those extremists to win because they knew that the Dems had a better chance of winning their races against the extremist candidates than they did against the moderate Republicans. 
And so that little gem comes to us from Project Veritas, and that is the voice of Becky Hobbs, who is the sister to Katie Hobbs. Katie is the Secretary of State in Arizona, uh, who is, uh, no, she's running, oh, she is the Secretary of State. She's running against Carrie Lake for governor. Why am I playing that clip? Because this is confusing. Because the position of Secretary of State is so key uh, to watching, they're, they're the, the guardians of the elections. And the left, I think it's Soros money, while we weren't watching, started a few years ago targeting and getting elected some radical leftist secretaries of state so that they'd have more control over the elections, simply put. So Katie Hobbs uh, now is running against Carrie Lake for governor in Arizona, and yet Katie Hobbs is in charge of the election in Arizona. And the same thing is happening in Michigan. Uh, we have Jocelyn Benson, who is a radical leftist, who is the current Secretary of State, running to be reelected uh, for Secretary of State against Christina Caramo, who's been our guest on more than one occasion. Uh, and Jocelyn is in charge of the election. You think there's any problem with that? I think maybe there might be. And I've asked, uh, there's a lot of things happening in Michigan, so I've asked our good friend Ron, Ron Armstrong of Stand Up Michigan to join us this morning. Good morning, Ron. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Sandy. Let's talk first about the. I know this. Uh, let's talk about the Secretary of State's race, uh, the Jocelyn Benson, Christina Caramo. Can I know you've been on a bus tour? I want to ask you about that. But do you feel like the needle has moved for Christina Caramo? Is there any way to know that? Oh, uh, I feel like it has moved uh, for primarily for a couple of reasons. One is she's obviously she's been outspent as is happening throughout the country with our conservative candidates. I think that her base has always been strong, but as far as name recognition, uh, it is uh, it certainly is not. Um, <clears throat> she has been doing the right things uh, as far as being in the right location, and I feel like uh, it is it is turned in her favor a bit over especially the last three or four weeks. I think it's primarily also due to our proposals, Proposal 2 and Proposal 3, that are on the ballot. People are learning about those, and they're also learning about those that align behind uh, or what I say against these proposals, and uh, Christina has been very outspoken, obviously, in uh, securing our elections. And I know you've had her on, and uh, she is uh, adamant about. Uh, she was at TCF Center and and went through all of the the difficulties with the fraud that had occurred in the 2020 election. Um, and she needs to. Uh, we for 2024, we have to have Christina Caramo as our Attorney General or our Secretary of State. Sorry, I believe that. Um, the uh, proposal three also is helping because she's a very strong pro-life candidate as well. And uh, let's face it, uh, Jocelyn Benson uh, is uh, one of the worst in the country, no matter who you ask, as far as the secretary of state and being uh, probably uh, one who has stacked the deck against conservatives and fair election and voting. Hmm. Let me just say a word about Christina. She is a really strong candidate. She's a black activist who is a real... Um, uh, she's just a real thinker. She's very good on her feet. She understands the issues. In fact, she was a she graduated. Uh, she I want to say there was a C.S. Lewis program. I can't remember the affiliation, but she graduated from that as a sort of a scholar. C.S. Lewis. I'm not talking about accreditation. I'm talking about um, a, uh, something like the Sentinels from um, uh, Heritage Foundation, where it's a, a layperson's uh, degree for C.S. Lewis. But she's a th- serious thinker. And she's a serious opponent of Jocelyn Benson. She just needs more name recognition. Let's talk about the governor's race. We are going to get to the propositions in a second, Ron. Um, Governor Whitmer, I, I saw a poll, just it's, but it was last week, a Trafalgar poll that said that Tudor Dixon and, uh, and uh, Gretchen Whitmer are in a dead heat. And I wondered, I know that uh, 
uh, Tudor Dixon has been outspent two to one, so they say. Uh, what do you think is happening in that race now? Yeah, it's probably more like four or five to one. Honestly, um, I feel like the race is uh, is uh, the momentum uh, is at our back. I believe that she. I do believe that it is even, and it it could be slightly in our favor. I do believe we're in a red wave season. If indeed we show up to vote, that's uh, you know this is all assumptions on who's going to show up and who isn't. I believe that uh, it's a clear cut uh, situation, like it is in many parts of the country. Uh, do you want? Uh, tyranny? And do you want someone who's going to mandate and wants to control uh, power and has made one of the worst decisions of anyone during this pandemic for the people of their state? Uh, Or do you want someone who believes in pro-life, someone who is fighting for your individual rights to choose for yourself and your family and returning those principles, those God-given principles to uh, and values to our nation and uh, and and she wants to obviously see that for each and every person in the state of Michigan. I feel like we're probably uh, um, I feel like we're moving in the right direction. You know, you never want to be confident, confident. But considering we were down eight, nine, ten uh, only four or five weeks ago, it's been an incredible uh, change. And that has happened because the people have finally stood up and started acting out. Ron, you've got a yeah, you've got a great, great group up there who have just made such a difference. And Michigan really woke up. You know, they used to be. I remember when I talked to friends in Michigan, you couldn't stir the conservative Christians with a stick, and now they're finally awake. And I'm very grateful. And I think you're you're to you're to blame for a lot of that. Let me just mention. I want to blame. I blame. I want to mention Prop Three. I'm going to recap it quickly so that we because I don't want to get bogged down, but it's important. It's horrific. It will be in addition to the Constitution, not just a law, very hard to reverse. It will take parental rights away on abortion. Your children will get abortions without parental knowledge by put in the Constitution. They also can change their gender, change their name without parental permission or knowledge. That's going to be put in the Constitution if Prop 3 passes. And the, the bad part is the, they're making it seem as though they're reinstating women's rights on you know, abortion, and it's just a sham. And people, you've moved the needle on that one, right, Ron? We have indeed. We were probably, uh, it was uh, really disheartening in the beginning. It was looking as if we were, uh, it was about 62% in favor, uh, I would say about six weeks ago. Um, uh, I have to thank uh, the Right to Life and the Catholic Conference, who together formed a uh, organization pack that, that has put in I believe in somewhere in the neighborhood of $20 million uh, into this uh, no effort uh, to get the information out. <clears throat> there are 50,000 yard signs that have been distributed throughout the state. Uh, it's, it, what, is feeling, what I'm feeling great about is that as I traveled the state these last few weeks with this Empowering Family uh, bus tour, is churches are actually putting the signs in their yards, even on their marquees. We must save lives, no on Prop 3. Um, and that's something you have not seen the church, specifically the Catholic Church, get involved in any of that. And I believe that also is going to carry over to who they vote for at the, on the ticket level as well. Now, here's a wrinkle, um, different subject, but uh, your governor last week, about not quite a week ago, Gretchen Whitmer has uh, said she now opposes the COVID, vac- COVID vaccine for children. I just like your thoughts about that. Uh, well, I think it's a sleight of hand. It's like saying she didn't shut the businesses down again. The health department did. What she's saying is she's against it. However, the health department, 
Uh, she has gone along with their advisement. Now, we know that behind the scenes, she's put pressure on them, both at a state level, our state health director originally, and then local health departments began to get involved. So what happened is they work with the schools and they demand it. They work with local health departments and they demand that we follow the CDC. And then what happens is the largest school districts, the Detroit, the Flint, uh, and you can go on and on in the state of Michigan, they all uh, require it, and then the others fall in line. That's how it works in the state of Michigan. So, see, the governor can say what she wants. She will also get what she really wants, which is ultimately control, and uh, that includes vaccinating our children. The, the, the Democrats of today are, uh, are, are no longer for the working person. They are a part of the big business big government, big pharma, and big tech. And that is where they, uh, that's where they are. And I believe that uh, she, she is just saying that because she knows she, she feels she has to, but it's not what will happen if she is reelected. I can promise you that. You have such clear thinking, Ron. I really appreciate that. Now, let me ask you, uh, I, I know less about Prop 2, which as I understand it has to do with elections and is equally egregious and will also go into the Constitution. Can you, can you quote qualify that for us, then I have one last thing to talk to you about. Sure. Uh, Prop 2 is uh, is horrendous. It basically, if you know what H.R. 1 or S. 1 was, which is a federal takeover of our elections, which didn't happen, this is the state version of that. This is the template that will be used across the country that they hope to get into certainly as many states as they can by the 2024 election. Uh, this is going to put into the Constitution banning the need for photo identification. Uh, it would just uh, allow you to sign a paper and claim who you say you are. I always use the example of if you stop by a police officer and you just say, no, I don't have a di- uh, driver's license, but I'm just going to sign something that says who I say I am. I don't think that would fly. Neither will it if you're buying liquor or if you're getting Sudafed in the grocery store where they ask for your ID. So only in voting will that work. Um, it's going to approve the Zuckerbucks or any private funding that's going to be available uh, uh, to any individual jurisdictions, which breaks Michigan law. That will become uh, legal as well. Uh, post-election audits, guess what? They can only be conducted by our Secretary of State. So there's no more questioning audits or elections if you have a uh, uh, a Secretary of State that has uh, committed or been a part of the fraud that has taken place. So uh, it is a disastrous situation to create early nine days of early voting. Uh, it just goes on and on. Uh, it basically would, I believe, uh, really make it difficult for Michigan to win a statewide election ever again if this was to pass. Do you have any feel for where that stands? I'm I'm probably most worried about this one because they haven't had the funds uh, that the others have had, uh, and they used the same exact wording in 2018 uh, called promote the vote, Um, and that was done in 18 and passed by 67% of Michiganders, including a whole bunch of conservatives who didn't pay attention. Um, so I, I, that one I'm most worried about. The good news is there are three proposals, and we're fighting them as no, no, no. It's easy for our side to remember. So if we can get some of their people to pay attention, I think we have some good hope. And again, if we win at the top of the ticket, I think this can carry down and, and uh, defeat these proposals. So, Ron, the election is a week from tomorrow, and there are a lot of people in Michigan listening, as you know. So it's not too late, I don't think, I'm guessing, to get involved and do something. And maybe they haven't had a chance or any time, and now they're just waking up to the realities of like Prop 2 and Prop 3 or the other things. Is there some way they can connect with you guys to get involved and do what they can this next eight days? 
There is. Um, well, first of all, uh, elections are local. We ask you to get involved, find out who's running in your local school board races, find out who they are, spread their name and get information out. Uh, it is about local elections. If we win local elections and get the turnout, find 10 people to get them out to vote. If we do that at every local level, it's going to carry through at a uh, larger level. If you want to get involved and show the energy and put this governor on notice, then we ask that you join maybe one of these bus tour stops. Tudor Dixon's got her bus that's now wrapped as well, and she's doing tours all over the state of Michigan this week. Um, and uh, we ask you to join. We're doing a convoy on Friday, Friday the 4th. It's called Four Days to Freedom. And that, uh, if you want to get involved in that, uh, you can text FREEDOM to 231-259-9494, and that will connect you with all the details on this convoy that we hope to travel across the state of Michigan and join potentially Tudor Dixon and the rest of our candidates, Matt DiPerno, Christina Caramo, and many uh, over in Macomb County. We don't have the location or time specific yet, but that's a great way to build and continue to keep the momentum that we have right now through next weekend. And we also know that whatever we're doing, we're not getting coverage in the press, so we're going to create our own. And so, and there, there, I'm here to serve. So, te- say that again. Text to freedom. What, repeat that, please, Ron. Text freedom. Text freedom to two three one two five nine nine four nine four. You can also go uh, starting tomorrow to choosefreedomusa.com. Choosefreedomusa.com, and we will have the details there on the convoy as well. All right, choosefreedomusa.com, and we'll put both of those on our getter page, but. Uh, but, you know, you have to do a little work to find some of this stuff. And I know you all will listening because you realize what's at stake. If you listen to me every day, you'd know what's at stake. And the only way we're going to pull back our states, pull back our country, is for each of us to get involved and do something. I think you've heard me say every morning for the last 10 years, say something, do something. Well, if ever there was a time, it's now. Ron Armstrong with Stand Up Michigan. Ron, thanks so much, and uh, we'll talk to you very soon. This is Sandy Rios. Uh, there's a lot more news I didn't even get to this morning. There are some races. We're going to do what we can tomorrow to cover a lot of it. Uh, my intention tomorrow is also to talk about the marijuana initiative in Arkansas because some of you listeners have alerted me to that. So I want to turn my attention to that. And if there's anything else that you're, is happening in your state that I don't know about, please feel free to, you know, I just don't, I'm only one person. I don't know what's going on in your state. So let me know. It's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy at AFR.net. God, God bless each and every one of you. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.